This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This video is brought to you by Blessed Be God Boutique, maker of Catholic fashionable apparel, handmade accessories, and more. Anyone paying attention at all in the past couple of weeks has already heard the news by now. This generation's eccentric scientist, billionaire, cultural rock star has bought Twitter. The sale's not final yet, at least at the time of this recording, and it probably won't be for several months due to all the legal hurdles that this whole thing is going through. And the news surrounding it has certainly been both entertaining and eye-opening as many have just nakedly responded to the news with open calls for silencing people they personally disagree with, all in the name of good things and defending America and the rest of it. While that's all well and good, I guess, I'm not terribly interested in the secular side of things at all on this, and I don't particularly trust the new owner of the platform all that much, since he has been an advocate for all sorts of bizarre things himself and is himself directly linked to many of the same allies that Francis himself is allied with, which is going to be news for some people. Just look into it, folks. You'll see that I'm right. What I am more interested in in all of this is this, though, the reaction to the news coming from people within the Catholic Church. What I've seen expressed in official mainstream Catholic outlets falls mostly into two categories, really. An expression of sadness over the secular status quo getting slightly upended, and the other opinion being somewhat more basic and attempting to actually be Catholic how Catholics should understand this, and what the church actually teaches on such related matters to the sale of Twitter and the arguments surrounding all of it. And like the secular debate that is both amusing and enlightening, this debate within Catholic circles has revealed a lot about what people actually think about those of us that they disagree with. So let's take a look at the story because the new owner of Twitter's influences does reach deep into the Catholic church itself. But as we like to do from time to time, let's check in with Paca Papa Francis, who offered some words of wisdom, as he often does. At a recent Angelus address, Francis called on Catholics to not be perfect and chided those of us who seek to be perfect as the Father is perfect. Quoting Francis, I tell you, I'm afraid when I see some Christians, some association of Christians who believe themselves to be perfect. The Lord does not seek perfect Christians. The Lord does not seek Christians who never doubt and always flaunt a sure faith. Dear brothers and sisters, it is better an imperfect but humble faith, which always returns to Jesus, than a strong but presumptuous faith, which makes us proud and arrogant. Woe to these. End quote. I've never encountered a Christian who thinks he's perfect, overtly anyway. I've never met that person. Even people who I don't like, I've never met them but a strong faith making us presumptuous. Now, if by that he means we should not misuse things like confession and go confess the same sins over and over and over again without making any real effort to amend our ways and sin no more, then sure, he's right that it leads to presumption if we are not making progress in our spiritual life, or if he believes that we can lock our blessed Lord in some binding contract or that we dare hope that all men are saved, then yes, I agree. He's probably not talking about that. 
Here he appears to be talking about a strong faith leading to presumption, which apparently having a strong faith by appearances from what he's saying here makes it look like you think you're perfect. And all that just sounds bizarre to me. Now, let me know what you in the world you think he's talking about here when he's chiding people for being presumptuous for having a strong faith, because I don't have a positive interpretation of what he said to offer to you here. Just more words of wisdom that attack the faith from Francis, which is unfortunately par for the course these last several years. You know what else is par for the course in the church? Letting our own secular ideas influence how we think the faith should be lived and not the other way around. And none of that is more apparent than in the debate emerging in the church, mostly in America, about the purchase of Twitter by Elon Musk, a purchase that isn't finalized yet and frankly won't be for a few months. They're just legal hurdles that this whole thing has to go through. There have already been some weird effects seen on Twitter. For example, my follower count grew at about three times the rate recently in the past few days, as have a few other higher profile figures in the church who the world and the modernists would say are on the wrong side of various secular opinions. I saw Taylor Marshall tweeting about how he suddenly gained a ton of followers overnight. High profile system friendly figures have had their accounts lose staggering amounts of followers in ways that beg a lot of questions. This is all out in the public. It's a fact that no one is really disputing and no one has an explanation for it. But none of that is really relevant to this discussion, which is between two factions in the mainstream church about how Catholics should view all of this. We'll start with the opinion of Father Edmund Waldstein, a lecturer in moral theology at the Pope Benedict XVI Philosophical Theological University in Austria. Father Waldstein is a well-known theologian on the hermeneutic of continuity side of the debate in the church which I always think of as the moderate position in the present-day Catholic Church with the hyper-modernists on one end and then those traditionalists like me on the other. Father Waldstein offers some insight into the question of speaking freely as a right and how Catholics should view this whole entertaining mess. From the National Catholic Register and the CNA articles on this, quote, In an email interview today, Father Waldstein said that the right to free speech is derived from the duty to seek and serve the truth. But he added, church teaching does not entail an unlimited right to freedom of speech. There is no right to spread lies or false and harmful opinions, he explained. There is no right to use social communications to incite hatred and violence against other persons or groups. He added that the big technology companies like Facebook and Twitter should not be the arbiters of truth in the public discourse. Instead, he said, those companies ought to be strongly regulated by the state to ensure they do not use their power to advance partisan interests. Father Waldstein said that the task of regulating speech typically is the responsibility of the state and, in theological matters, the church. But Father Waldstein cautioned that the authority of the state is undermined when the state itself is committed to a false ideology. Father Waldstein said that the Second Vatican Council teaches that, quote, the juridical order should protect the right to express one's own opinions, to Gaudium et Spes. He added that, quote, this includes the right to use the dominant means of social communication in society, end quote. Father Waldstein's take on this question is interesting, but focuses mostly on post-conciliar teaching. Before the Council, the Church had a stronger approach to how to handle the expression of ideas, which was not to be permitted in a freewheeling way that most Americans are accustomed to. What I just described to you, which may, from what he said here, may rub up against you in the wrong way, you may think this is like, you know, I don't know, strange and strong arm, but before the council, the church had a stronger way of dealing with it. Instead, the church and secular powers would come down rather hard on things like blasphemy and attempts to undermine social tranquility. Now think how we've seen things suppressed over the years on social media, but it being done in the opposite way. 
with the views we see hammered by our rulers being before the council, the ones the church would amplify or at least tolerate, and the ones that are dominant views in our time being the ones kept at mar the margins at best, or even altogether punished. That was all how the church and the state would have worked together before the council. The church after the council embraced a more liberal view of things, which is the subject overall for a different video in the future. Now, the flip side of this debate in the church comes from where else but America Magazine, the official Jesuit outlet in the United States whose editor-in-chief is quite literally Pastor Jimmy Martin of the Jesuit Church. They published an article late last week on the news about Twitter that was in the form of a three-person discussion, including our favorite new modernist Jesuit priest to pay attention to, Father Jim McDermott, who in the past celebrated the coming collapse in vocations. Here he talks about Twitter as the public square and if Catholics should participate in it. The discussion begins with this question being asked of all involved, quote, what should Catholics think? Is Twitter a public square the church should seek to evangelize? Can Catholics resist the temptation to subtweet, dunk, and pile on? How will the privatization of Twitter affect the common good? End quote. That is the question asked that the three authors have a good roundtable discussion about. The answers from Jim McDermott are the only ones really all that interesting, though. Over on Twitter, there is a thriving and frankly rather vitriolic community of Catholics debating all manner of things, and it gets pretty ugly pretty quickly. Virtually no one disagrees about that, that the place has got its problems, and no one faction within the church is to blame exclusively for that, and none of the participants are innocent of it. And this is where the Jesuit priest has focused his ire on all this discussion, probably because of the pushback he gets for expressing weird ideas. He describes his reaction to the news that Twitter has a new owner now in the following way, quote, Sadness, really. It felt like we won back a lot of sanity and some space for warmth and humor with the removal of the previous American head of state from the site. Now, it's very possible that he and a number of other pretty ill-intentioned voices will be returning and doing a lot of scary and awful things. It looks like a return to a very sad state of affairs. One of the takeaways of all this, as well as all the problems we've seen with Facebook, is how to understand and regulate these businesses, which have come to function like massive public utilities, and yet in reality are for-profit businesses. But from a standpoint of looking at just hashtag Catholic Twitter, there is a way in which I share some of Doug's more blasé feelings about the announcement. Though not because I don't think Musk can't make things worse, his hot take that content moderation is some kind of unjust restraint on free speech definitely could lead to some pretty bad stuff. But the fact is, even with the content moderation we have, hashtag Catholic Twitter is actually a shockingly horrible place. I cannot believe the things that are said and done to Catholic women and anyone who speaks in favor of the James Martin crowd in any way, among others. It is so bad that I can't even give you examples because I'm pretty sure if I did, the people who I've seen get attacked will just get swarmed once again. I am sure it could still get worse for them, but it is already pretty awful. End quote. And I'll agree to a degree, Catholic Twitter is kind of a rotten place. But another way to put what he said there is, is that Father Jim is saddened that Catholic Twitter is a place where people freely defend Catholic orthodoxy on a number of hot button issues. That is what he typically is the cause of a lot of this vitriol is people defending their understanding of what the church position on whatever is being discussed is. And that's kind of sad. Not that Twitter is where all of that happens, but because Father Jim finds it so saddening that it happens there. The three America magazine writers go on to discuss how you should behave and take care of yourself if you're a Catholic, and presumably as one of their proper kind of new Catholics, if you were to decide to go on Twitter. But then Father Jim gives us this prediction for how all of this will go. Quote, 
Selfishly, I very much hope that things won't go as badly as I fear, and people won't leave Twitter because my life is a lot better for all the people I have met there. Many of them don't even know I exist, but the things they post and who they are have added to my life. But I can completely understand people bailing, even now, and I don't know how long I'll be able to tolerate this site myself, given how deeply problematic Musk is in so many ways. Unlike Facebook, using Twitter has never before seemed to me like I was supporting businesses or people that are actively unjust or cruel. But now that seems to be precisely the situation. I just hope if it becomes untenable, there's some place else we can all go and hang out together. End quote. And right there sounds exactly like what people he opposed were talking in the last two, three years about social media. Now, one of the writers, Zach Davis, ends the discussion with a call for more regulation of platforms because, of course, he does. Quote, Amen to that. I think we're still in the middle of the Wild West era of social media, and all of us need to come up with better social, legal, and cultural frameworks for how to use it. But for now, Twitter remains a strong driver of our public discourse, and I think the church wants to be involved in that, end quote. It's easy to miss if you don't point it out to people, but I'm not surprised that he's calling for more control now, that it looks like the platform won't be in the hands of people who rather strongly dislike people expressing different opinions. My interest in all of this begins and ends with my ability and those of those of everyone else, really, to discuss church and social matters on Twitter free of punishment for having the wrong opinion, which appears to be the case. So I guess I'm pleased with the new owner and how he looks like he'll permit my little corner of Twitter to thrive or not based entirely on its own merits, which is really the way it should be anyway. Father Waldstein and Father Jim McDermott represent two differing opinions on the whole matter, and I'm curious what you think about their positions. They're not precisely in conflict with one another, and Father Jim's opinions, all things considered, is not the worst take he's had recently that I've covered, though he does call for more control over things by the secular world, which is pretty typical for a modern Jesuit. What do you think about all this? Let me know in the comments, please, because nothing is really cut and dry with all of this. Not as cut and dry as some are making it out to be anyway. And like and subscribe if you haven't, it really does help. As does sharing these videos in various social media groups that you're in, that actually really does help as well. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.